Well, God, help us to trust you and to know that you share and desire and call us to the truth. Amen. I'd begin by asking just the Girl Scouts here. Sorry, the rest of y'all can listen in, though. I want to ask you a couple questions. Okay? Y'all ready? How many of you have ever heard the word amen before? Yes. Okay, good. Um, when have you heard that word before? Okay. Praying at church, and when did, did you hear about it? When did they say amen? What part of the... You were, Grace, you had it going. What did you say? Just say what you just said again. End of the prayer. Okay. So you heard it during the prayer and you heard it at the end of the prayer. Okay. Excellent. See, that will, those weren't hard questions really, were they? Um, you aced the test. Um, indeed, that word amen is very familiar to us. We say it at the end of the prayer. And because amen is at the end of the prayer, very often we assume that amen must mean something like the end or... Uh, over and out, something like that. But that's really not what the word means. When Grace read the word amen in that short verse earlier, she did say the word amen, even though she didn't say it in English. Now, the English translation wasn't amen, but the Greek word, and Greek was what most of the New Testament was written in. The Greek word is amen. And actually not just the Greek, but in the Old Testament Hebrew, which is what most of the Old Testament was written in, it too is the word amen. And it doesn't mean the end. No, amen carries the meaning of trusting that something will be true. Let it be true might be a good way of saying the word amen. Or so be it. Let it be this way. Let me give you an example of how that word amen really speaks out more instead of just at the end of a prayer. Last Sunday, I participated in a march downtown. We walked from the Capitol Street Bridge up to the, the first steps leading up to the Capitol. We walked on that day to remember the Civil Rights March 55 years ago in Selma, Alabama. It's a day that was called Bloody Sunday because as the people who were marching on that day across the Edmund Pettus Bridge peacefully and seeking to have the right to vote, they were beaten and bloodied by the state troopers and local police that were gathered there to stop them. That Bloody Sunday event helped lead toward the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1965. Now there's your short history lesson. Well, this past Sunday we marched to remember that bloody Sunday and also to lift up voting rights for everyone in our state. And after we marched, there was a brief introduction by the uh, state senator who had started the, the campaign to have this. And then he had a good friend of mine, Reverend Les Whitlock, who is the African-American minister down at First Corinthian Baptist Church downtown. He led us in prayer. And it was a long prayer. But it was a powerful prayer. And there were a few times when Les's words were so powerful and so very true 
that when he would say those words, there were people in the crowd that would say, Amen. They said, Amen, because they knew that those words would be true. So for those of us who only say the word Amen at the end of prayers, let's remember that we're not just saying the end, but we're saying that we trust those words to be true. Oh God, let it be true. When we read the word Amen this morning, we read it, but instead of the word Amen, it said, Truly I tell you, really, it's Amen I tell you, Jesus says. Here's the truth, Jesus says. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He spoke those words while he was on the cross. He says them to a man who is being crucified beside him. Jesus says this at a longer conversation that takes place between Jesus and the two criminals that were crucified beside him. Both of those men were being killed because Luke tells us that they were criminals. Now we never find out what kind of criminals they were, what they actually did, but if you were going to be crucified by the Roman government, you had to have done something that was either very horrible or very threatening. Jesus was a big threat that's why they hung him on a cross. These two criminals must have done something really bad. And the reason why you would hang somebody on a cross is so that everybody would see the slow and painful death and know that if you do what that person did or follow that person who is up there, then the same thing might happen to you. It must have been bad for these two criminals to be on a cross. Well, one of them beside Jesus, well, they hear others in the crowd who are mocking Jesus. You know, they'd say that Jesus was the Messiah, and they're making fun of him. Say, well, if you're the Messiah, come on, then, then get yourself off this cross. They were mocking him. Well, that's one criminal. Here's the crowd mocking him, and he chimes in. Aren't you the Messiah, he asked Jesus? Save yourself and us. But then the criminal on the other side. He hears the same thing, and here's what this guy says. And here's what Luke writes. The other, this other criminal, rebukes him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? Or, and we are being condemned justly, because we're getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Can you get the picture here? The one criminal mocks Jesus, the other one defends him. He's done nothing wrong, the guy says. And then after he says this and admits that they're getting what they deserve, this criminal's not finished yet. He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It seems that this criminal over here has for some reason... He's had something really horrible happening to him. He deserves what's going to happen to him on a cross, but he also recognizes that in Jesus there's something different. That maybe Jesus is the Messiah after all. Maybe this Messiah, Jesus, has plans for a new kingdom. So he reaches out in hope for something more than how things are right now. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And then Jesus says the words we heard today. Truly I tell you, amen I tell you, here is the truth is what Jesus is saying. And the truth is today you'll be with me in paradise. That word paradise is all throughout scripture. Very often it references a garden or a park. Sometimes it talks about a second garden of Eden. Other times it talks about the upper regions of heaven. No matter what, the word paradise speaks of a place of future happiness. So notice what's going on here. This man who is dying on a cross because of something he's done to deserve it. He's in misery that we can't even imagine. And he asks and reaches out to Jesus with hope. And Jesus tells him about a new future. Someday, in paradise, you'll join me. Today, you'll join me. Tells him this, and Jesus says, Amen to all of it. Because the words that Jesus are speaking are true. Trust. Truth. Amen. Then we get to this other reading that Jarrah read this morning. Another call to trust, to believe that something is the truth. But this story is very different than the one that I just talked about. In that first one, the criminal on the cross is living horribly in that moment. And he trusts Jesus for something much better. But in this other story, the story of Abram, the situation's a whole lot different. You see, we, when we first hear about Abram in the, the end of the chapter before the one that we just read, it talks about Abram along with his dad, Terah, and his nephew, Lot, and his wife, Sarai. They've settled down in a place called Haran. They've put down roots in this place, Haran. I'm sure that he was hoping to have a family there in Haran, even though he and Sarai were getting older. 75 is young, but 75 is not young to have children. Pretty much impossible. But they had settled down there, and as we would read later on, they do pretty well. They've gathered a lot of possessions, and they even have some servants. But then we get to the reading today, where God comes and tells Abram to go. Go from your country, your father's kindred, in other words, his extended family, and your father's house, the, the place where he's rooted down. Go, the Lord tells him. Now remember, he has settled down there. He's rooted there. Life is pretty good. But now God tells him to go. Go away from everything you know. And then God takes over as the one who will lead him. Did you notice that? God does the doing. He tells Abram to go to this land and I will show you, God says. I'll make you a great nation, God says. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. They will be blessed because God will do the blessing. Now let's reflect on these two stories a moment. This first one, this criminal in a horrible place and reaching out in hope. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me, amen. And then this other situation, 
Abram's doing well. He's settled. Life is good. But God tells him to go. And not only does God tell him to go, he doesn't tell him where he's going to go. Just that I'll show you. But there's one thing that both these men, Abram and the criminal, they have in common. They both choose to trust. They both knew that there was an amen coming in God's word to them. Maybe Abram could have heard that story like this. Abram, I want you to leave your country and everything that you know, and I want you to go to a place that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. Amen. I'll bless you and make your name great. Amen. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Amen. And Abram trusted God's truth, and he went. Amen. But there's one more difference between these two stories. We trust that Jesus was true to his word. And that day this man was with Jesus in paradise, the criminal. But for Abram, this story is going to be much longer. And the journey is going to be very difficult. He goes from being settled to totally unsettled, launched out into a new place, Right after this story, we get to where there's a famine in the land and Abram and Sarah have to go down to Egypt and they live as strangers, as foreigners, as immigrants in the land. A hard life they will face. I won't go any further into this very long and interesting story of how Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah, trust God to lead them even though it would be a long time before they would have that child. And as unsettled as their lives would continue to be, they still trusted God. As people here who affirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we are always being called to trust God's word to us, to say amen. It's a word that tells us to go. To go out into the places of life where we live, trusting God's call to love God and to love others, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Trusting God to welcome those who are ignored and hated. Trusting God's call to provide furniture and bedding and kitchenware to those who are in need. Trusting God's call to care for the very least and the last in our community and in our world. To go and to do all of this because when we are helping those who are in need, we are helping Jesus himself. When you do it for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus said, you're doing it for me. Amen. And not only do we trust that Jesus is there among us when we go and help. But we can also trust Him just as that criminal did on the cross when Jesus said, today I will be with you. Because we trust, amen, that Jesus does indeed go with us all the way to paradise. Amen.